Welcome to the Basic Bombshell Podcast. Here we are champions of women, breaking stereotypes, smashing female norms, speaking our truths, embracing vulnerability, rocking boats, and being our unapologetic selves. Know that beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself. I am your host, Kenzie, and this podcast is sponsored by my real estate team, Love Montana Living. Check out our website, lovemontanaliving.com, where you will find all links to my social media accounts. I do have a YouTube channel that also focuses on personal growth, business, and beauty. Would love for you to come over and subscribe. For any real estate referrals, please drop us a message to our email, info at lovemontanaliving.com. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to let everyone know that they can send me voice messages. I had a couple of friends call me and give me notes on a particular episode and said they had questions they wanted answered. (laughs) I absolutely loved it. I love that they wanted to know more about uh, that person's story and they wanted clarification and that they really had a genuine curiosity because they felt such a genuine connection. So I do want there to be that level of participation for my listeners and I would love to answer your questions in future episodes. There is a link I will include on my website where you can go in and be a part of the podcast. Again, that is lovemontanaliving.com. Click on the tab social media. I also want everyone to know that I will be doing one interview a month. And if you are interested in sharing your story and being vulnerable and talking about your struggles, I would absolutely love to feature you. So again, you can uh, send me an email or reach out via voice message. Perfect. So for today's episode, Uh, It is definitely a reflection of the current events in our society. I uh, firmly believe we are in the midst of a revolution and the social injustice of our Black citizens that they have been privy to for centuries is coming to a head. And those of us who stand on privilege of their oppression have a bill to pay. Now, I have no idea what that is or where we will go from here. But in times like this, I turn to storytelling. I have always been a lover of storytelling, probably why I started a podcast. And I love storytelling, whether I'm a listener or the storyteller. So because of um, everything that happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, I have been watching new movies and re-watching movies and reading books that I have read before. So I re-watched a movie and I had seen, I had seen several years ago that not only talked about minority oppression, but is also one of my favorite time periods looking at the history of women. I see the stereotypical housewife as anything but one dimensional, even though that is what our society has told her she needed to be. In the 1950s, you know, your job is to bear children and to take care of your husband and your household. Your value is determined on finding a suitor and fulfilling your role. You smile and you be what we tell you to be. Polite, uncomplaining, do not yearn for more. You are not equal to a man. Know your place. And I think I love this time period so much because... I know there's so much behind the scenes. I mean, even if you look at my graphics for my podcast, it is a pop art, you know, pinup style 50s woman. And I mentioned before that my grandma is kind of the the stereotypical 50s housewife having four children and being a stay-at-home mom. And there's something so beautiful about that. 
So the movie is from 2011, and it's based on the best-selling book of the same name. It is called The Help. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it because there is so much depth in so many different storylines. Today, I'm just going to focus on two of the characters, Cecilia Foote and Minnie Jackson. These women are the reason for today's title. They saved each other from themselves. To give the people in my audience who have not seen the movie a quick quick synopsis of the storyline, this is actually set in 1962. Celia Foote is a white newlywed woman who lives about 30 minutes out of town, and she is desperate to be a part of the socialite scene, but has been shunned by her white housewife peers because she married the antagonist high school sweetheart. The antagonist's name is Hilly Brook, Hilly Holbrook, and she is the reigning queen bee of the socialite world, the president of the Women's Junior League, who is married to a future politician. Celia, in fact, is such an outcast that even black maids will not work for her in fear of being blackballed from future work themselves. Now, Millie Jackson is a black maid who was recently fired by Hilly Holbrook for using the guest bathroom instead of her designated toilet outside in the backyard. That's one of the main storylines throughout the entire movie. Hilly, in her true self-righteous ways, blackballs Millie from finding work after their separation. And after being physically abused by her husband, Leroy, and saddened by her daughter being taken out of school at the age of 14 to help with the bills... Millie decides to go work up to her. Millie decides to go to work opposite yet her equal outcast, Miss Celia Foote. Celia Foote is unlike her white female peers in where she views Millie as a friend and the friend that she has been desperate to have for so long and often pushes back when Millie tries to enforce racial segregation norms. Uh, One example that comes to mind is Celia insists on eating lunch with Millie in the kitchen as opposed to eating lunch alone in her formal dining room, as most, if not all, women (laughs) of different races did during their time. So you see a slow bond form between the two women. When Millie was first hired, she asked Celia when she would be expecting children to fill all the rooms in her big house, and Celia let her know that she was actually already pregnant. So the first scene that I want to break down is when Millie hears noise coming from Celia's bathroom. Millie ends up breaking the door down and finds Celia covered in blood, having a miscarriage on her bathroom floor. She helps her clean up and puts her into bed. And I actually want to read you the exact dialogue from the scene. So Millie says, next one is going to catch Miss Celia. Just you wait and see. To which Celia replies, we got married because I was pregnant. Then I lost it a month later. Johnny wants kids now. What's he going to do with me? Millie, Mr. Johnny is going to have to just going to have to get over it. To which Celia says, He doesn't know about the baby or the two before. The next scene shows Celia burying her miscarriage in the yard and planting a rose bush on top of it. It's as if it's physically symbolizing the emotional strategy she is choosing to take. You don't talk about it with your partner and lean on each other for support. You bury your despair and sadness 
and cover it with roses. Hide your trauma and put a smile on your face. The camera pans out to show that this is the third bush she has planted, as if it's a reminder of her failure as a woman. Perhaps to you, it is her taking a horrible thing that happens time and time again and trying to make it beautiful. Here are the marked graves of my children that will never be, but at least I can have the beautiful smell of roses in my yard. Now, the second scene I want to talk about is when Millie tells Celia why she is so hated by her peers. In what appears to be a sign of relief for Celia that she is not hated for who she is, but because of what people think happened when she met her husband, she quickly moves on from her own problems and brings light to the black eye and cut above Millie's eye. When she knows is at the hands of Millie's abusive partner. Millie begrudgingly lets her tend to the wound, showing her trust and even fondness of Celia. Millie is a proud, black, I can take care of myself, mind your own damn business kind of woman, and chooses to let her walls down, even if it's just for a minute. Celia has learned so much from Millie in terms of how to take care of a household, the way the world is supposed to work, and how to cook like a real housewife. She, in this scene, actually turns the tables and decides to repay the favor and teach Millie. She looks at her dead in the eyes and says, you know what I would do? I'd give it right back to him. I'd hand him over the head with a skillet and I'd tell him to go straight to hell. Now I'm going to skip over the climax of the movie because I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it. But the next scene I talk about really brings the point that I'm trying to make to the surface. Millie has been under the impression that Celia has been keeping her employment from her husband, Johnny. Millie was so terrified that he would find out and would actually hurt her for being a colored woman in his house. So when Millie and Johnny finally meet, it's towards the end of the movie, and Millie actually tries to flee <laughs> and throws groceries at him in self-defense. And when she finally calms down, Johnny explains that he's known the entire time. I knew she didn't learn to cook in one day, he explains. He then goes on to explain that Celia told him about the babies. And that since the day Millie was employed, Celia had gotten better. You saved her life, he says. Once Millie realizes Johnny is an ally, they actually walk up to the house where Celia has prepared a feast for Millie. They offer her a job for the rest of her life and thank her for everything she has given to Celia. Millie sits at the dining room table being waited on by a white woman and treated not only as an equal, but as a friend. And after that meal, Millie goes home and leaves Leroy. She takes her kids with, which is also an act of saving herself. So now that I've kind of laid out the whole story of Millie and Celia, I really want to take a deep dive into the relationship and break it down on a different level. I said before, there, there are a lot of life lessons in this movie, but this storyline probably touched me the most. 
And I think it's because two women came together because they both shared the same misfortune of being an outcast. Now, they both needed each other for a very practical reason. One needed help around the household, and the other one needed employment. And I love this story the most because they both didn't realize how much they needed each other on a spiritual level. It was really to fulfill practical needs. And the real gift was the the spiritual healing that they gave to each other. If we look at Celia, uh, I mean, if they got pregnant, you know, they got married because she got pregnant and then she hasn't told him about her most recent miscarriage and the two before that, then she's had a total of four miscarriages. And I'm sure she doesn't understand why her body chooses to fail her so many times. And especially in a time period where that is your worth as a woman is you find a husband and you give him children. Their house was left to them by Mr. Johnny's grandmother. And it has five bedrooms with a guest house with an extra two. And Celia struggles to fulfill her destiny, her socialite given destiny. She has all these rooms and she can't fill them. Now, Millie, on the other hand, has four children who all share the same bed. So in that sense, they are the exact opposite because here's one woman with all this room and no children. And here's another woman with all this children and no room. And really, Millie has no idea the pain of Celia's heartbreak. It's something that she just hasn't experienced. And while she is a mother, I think even for myself, I never really understood the pain of a miscarriage till I had one myself. And even today, in 2020, I feel it's not really something that's talked about very openly. Now, if we look on the other hand toward Millie's healing, Celia is very loved and adored by her husband, Johnny. And Celia, she just looks like the blonde bombshell Marilyn Monroe of her time period. And I thought it was super interesting, too. It's almost a nod toward an uncommon social norm that Mr. Johnny married the Marilyn and not the Jackie. Because Hilly Holbrook her entire persona of what she wants to be is Jackie Kennedy. And this is set in 1962. So really at the height of the Kennedys, uh, the year before JFK was shot. And so he almost broke that tradition and married the Marilyn. And I think that's why Celia is such an outcast. And she is such a kind character To me, she even kind of played the dumb blonde role, but it was so oblivious to her. She was unapologetically herself and shown kindness to Millie, which was very uncommon in that time period. While I do think these white women very much loved their black maids, showing kindness and that love was almost frowned upon. You you had to know your role within within that household and within society 
I mean, look at even Hilly Holbrook. Another storyline is her petitioning for blacks to have, for, for houses to have outside bathrooms for their black help. And that really shows you where we were in terms of equality. And so while it's not the same degree, I think Celia is so kind to Millie because she knows what it's like to be unliked for no reason other than what people think. And again, I'm not saying that Celia being outcasted by her peers is the same as Millie's racial oppression. I know those are two varying degrees, but there is, they are on the same spectrum and there is camaraderie in that. And it's almost that they recognize, at least Celia recognizes Millie's pain on some level. So even though Celia is really playing this role of being the blonde bombshell, not having a lot of brains, she really has this shining moment where Millie on the outside appears to be a pillar of strength and takes shit from no one. I mean, she to me is kind of this quintessential strong black woman, you know, mind your damn business and don't sass mouth me. Just the actor played her character very well. But on the inside, Millie really is a victim of domestic abuse and has to endure her husband's violence because she has nowhere to go. She has zero options available to her. And this abuse is alluded, is alluded in the movie to be so bad that Millie could lose her life at any time, that she is beaten so often and so hard that there are days where the main character, Abilene, thought that Leroy would take Millie from her world. And this scene of them sitting in Celia's kitchen, Celia's inner strength emerges And, and this is, for me, when it gets interesting because she doesn't exude it on the outside. Her inner strength is something that is not shown outwardly in her personality. I'd hit him with a frying pan and tell him to go straight to hell. You hear come out of sweet, kind, doesn't have two brain cells to rub together, Celia. And I think this plants a seed inside Millie. Because in all reality, Celia has no idea what it's like to be abused by her partner. Like I said, she is loved and adored by her husband. And really, in both their stories, they both have no understanding of each other's pain. One lost child after child, while the other one bore child after child. One is hit and treated horribly by their partner, while the other one is worshipped and adored. And even though they are the exact opposite, they are the same. And both need, really, to be saved from themselves. Celia, to find the strength to let her pain surface. She carries so much pain inwardly and can't express it outwardly and confess her struggles, and many to find the strength from within 
Because while she boasts that very well outwardly, on the inside, she is helpless. She's a victim. And that's almost the antithesis of her personality. I'm confident if these women hadn't found each other, Celia would have ended her life drowning in her inner pain. And Millie would have been killed at the hands of Leroy. I love irony in life. And to me, this is so ironic in in such a beautiful way that the most unlikely friend saves you. If there are women listening right now, either struggling with deep inner pain they can't express or searching for the inner strength to take action, I hope for a moment you were liberated from that pain today and saw just a glimmer of hope. I want this podcast to be one of connection and understanding. We all suffer while others may experience it to a different degree than most. We need to recognize that suffering is a part of life and for lack of a better term, we all have our cross to bear. Maybe sometimes our most unlikely friend has something to teach us. And maybe it's quite possible the person who understands us the least can help us the most. While I have no idea what it is like to be a black person in America. My heart is with all of you and for what it's worth, I see your suffering. And while I don't understand your pain, I acknowledge that it's not right and that I have benefited from it in a way that you can only dream of. So my final thought is I I hope that we are in a growing pain as America and that together we will come out united and that people who feel are the legs that we stand on actually join our table as equals. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.